the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you are a faithful steward of God's resources, you know that God requires the first fruits of our increase. Tithing is a critical aspect of stewardship, but the question is, how are you managing the 90% God entrusts to you? Listen in today as Pastor Rander continues to teach on this subject. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. We are preaching, making a decision to place your finances under God's divine management, part three. Even though God has entrusted us to manage his resources, we have a tendency to think just because we are managing God's resources that we are ownership instead of realizing that we have stewardship over that which he has entrusted to us. A manager is one given the authority to manage the possessions of another. Uh, And uh, God has blessed us to be able to manage to his glory, our families, careers, employees, health, finances, time, retirement, material possessions, all of which belongs to God. If we fail to keep the right spiritual perspective, especially when it comes to our finances, we will usurp the authority of God, the owner, and not seek him, trust him, allow him to govern our financial decisions. This will result in mismanagement, financial worries, and troubles when you don't recognize God in your finances and put your finances under his divine management. And you will not be able to do that until you realize the context of Psalms 24.1, which says, The earth is the Lord's and all his fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything we see, touch, and smell belongs to God And we ought to be ever so thankful. We're glad because everything we have is a gift from God. And all last week, I was giving you all the gifts that we felt to to consider when it comes to to being grateful for what he has given us. Usually we thank God for family. We thank God for a car. We thank God for glasses. We thank God for children. Uh, We thank God for parents and a house and a roof. But our gratitude should extend way beyond that, you know, way beyond that. And so we're going to give you some things to be thankful for, which should motivate you to give the first and the best to our Lord and our God. What has God gifted us with? What has God given us? Number one, God has given us the gift of deliverance. The mere fact that God has delivered you is a gift from God. Uh, Psalms 40, 13 says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Time and time again, the Lord delivers 
us out of troubles we brought on ourselves. Some of you make a mess and then cry out to God. You don't acknowledge God. You don't ask God. And here comes the mess that you made without God. Now you want God to deliver you out of the mess that you made. And when he does it, ain't he good? <laughs> I mean, how many, God, how many of you have seen in your life God delivering you out of mess that you made simply because you fail to trust God. I'll raise both my hands up. And do you learn from those lessons? And sometimes he delivers us from circumstances beyond our control. We just get ambushed and find ourselves in a particular situation and say, oh God, I didn't see this coming, but I sure need you to help me through this. God is a delivering God. Deliverance is a gift from God. Secondly, family is a gift from God. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a wool man, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. His wife, your wife is not your mama, husbands. She's your wife. Wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. God created the institution of marriage before there was a government before before there were schools and technology and all of these things, God created the family and the family is a gift from God to us. And Satan is doing everything within his power to destroy the family because he knows the family when it is functioning as it was designed to function is a threat to the domain of Satan. And that's why he reverses the roles and want women to usurp the authority of men and men abusing women and using it. Uh, being dictators in the home and all of this and uh, female, female relationships, being married, male and male and all these kinds of things instead of man and woman. Whatever God sets in order, Satan always tries to pervert it and reverse it because he hates the plan of God because he wants to see us ruin. And the best way to do that is to destroy the family unit. Husbands and wives, you must remember that be mindful that you are a gift from God to each other. Wives, your husband is a gift to you. Husbands, your wives are a gift to you. And how are you treating the gift? You don't walk around and abuse the gift, not speak to the gift, and act ugly around the gift and yelling at the gift. You are a gift to each other, which means you need to value each other. It is a sin of ingratitude. The word is ingratitude to mistreat God's gift to you or take each other for granted. You don't know how long you have with your husband or your wife. You can look over there and, and either your husband or wife, they are gone. And that house, that house will never be the same. Never be the same. Let me tell you something. Life is hard enough without having strain, stress, and strife in your family. Life is hard. Dealing with people, dealing with jobs, dealing with all the craziness out there. You come in tight, you're working overtime, you, they have no mercy on your, on your job, they're killing you out there, and you come home and you got hell in the house. Life is hard enough without having strain, stress, and strife in your family. Some people work overtime because they really don't want to go home. 
Your home needs to be a place of serenity, needs to be a place of tranquility. It needs to be a place of refuge for your family. You ought to be able to come home and take your shoes off and just say, I'm so glad I'm home. And when you can't say that, I feel so badly for you. I really, really do. So ask God to make your home a peace of tranquility. And over every issue that comes into your house, don't panic and don't act like the sky is falling over every issue. Settle yourself down. Spill water. You know, you saw that water. No, no, leave him alone. Don't, don't, act, don't, act, don't act like you've never seen spilled water before. You know, don't be so touchy and so gripey and so snappish. You know, let there be some calmness and gentleness about you. Refresh your spouse with your attitude. And don't be a Grinch. <laughs> Number three, another gift God has given us is children. Children. Children are a gift from God. Now, the way some are Mac, I know you don't see them as a gift, but... <laughs> But they are a gift. That's why some could, some people don't want children because they just say they're a big fat headache, but realize you were a headache to somebody. So your, your parents had you. They're too expensive. Uh, you came here and your parents were poor perhaps, and yet you still ate. Children is a gift from God. Beloved, we live in an anti-child society where children are abused emotionally and physically and even worse so many have been murdered through abortion and denied their god-given right to life and to to live many grieve the word is grieve the fact that they are pregnant and view children as a burden rather than a blessing and a gift from god oh i'm pregnant god oh i did everything i could how did you stop it stop it stop it stop it it is the Lord that brings conception. And that child that's in your womb is the greatest blessing in your life. And you need to be thankful for the gift of life. God wants us to reproduce, be fruitful and multiply. When you have a Christian husband and a Christian wife and a Christian marriage, having children unto the Lord, then you raise up a godly offspring uh, to affect this world for righteousness and when the children of Satan are having more children than the children of God, it's going to be a more hellish world. God wants children. God wants children. God loves children. God touched children. He blessed children. Children are a blessing from God. Straighten your attitude up about children. Straighten your attitude up. Psalms 127, 3 through 5a says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. You get, somebody get four children. I, uh, I, are you through yet? Stop asking them that. That's none of your business. Get out of their cup of tea. If they want to have five, seven, and you want to have one, be thankful for your one. Let them be thankful for their seven. That's right. Amen. And some folk can do more with seven than you can with one. So uh, get out the judgment seat. Stop analyzing folks' situation 
and let God be God in people's lives. Children are a blessing, and you're blessed when you quiver. Well, when, when your house is full of them all around there, all around there pulling at you. Mama, can I? Daddy, can I? Now, let me tell you something. Parenting is not easy. I've said all along that every pastor and wife ought to have children. But you can know the theology of parenting, but you don't have the practical aspect. And somehow you can't connect to where these parents are because you never had a child. But when you have children, all of a sudden it changes your perspective. You can identify with what parents are going through. And um, if you all are honest with each other, you know your children have been an angel. And, and neither have you been one. So be thankful and count it a joy to be a blessing to those children and grandchildren. Number four, the church is a gift from God. God has given, the Lord has given us his church. The word church in the Greek is ekklesia, which literally means to call out, means to call out. The church consists of believers who are a called out assembly to meet together to worship God in spirit and in truth. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church belongs to God. He purchased the church with his own blood. Now listen closely. Satan has always relentlessly fought against the Lord's church because the church is a continual threat to the kingdom of its domain, the kingdom of darkness. And the church has been a threat to Satan's satanic agenda. The church is the bride of Christ. She's the bride of Christ. And one day God's going to come and claim his bride. And our purpose is to represent Christ on earth. We're the church of the living God. The church is alive. God established a church. And we have purpose on, on this world, in this world. The church is a living organism established by God himself. And there is no earthly institution or organization that can take the place of the church. You may be high. Some, some of you give more work. You do more work for fraternities and sororities and, and you go back to your high, your high schools and college and you take pride in your universities and going back to the games and all these things. That's all fine and dandy. And, uh, but I want to let you know that there's no substitute for the church. The church is the church. And you know what? You can be wrapped up in so many organizations and be so important everywhere else, leaving the work of the church undone. And that is a great omission. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in some of these other things, but you need to screen some of these things. And some of you are in far too much because the church, many churches can't get people to do nothing because they're so stressed out in so many things. And you let just people stretch you out all over the place to when you come to the church, you have nothing left for God, even if you come, even if you come, no organization takes the place of the church. No fraternity, no sorority, no anything. The church is also to advance the kingdom of God through sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why you got those bring a friend day cards. That's the purpose of the church. You got the purpose in your hand. Those cards is the purpose of the church to get folk to Jesus, 
to give them the good news of Jesus Christ. The church is the word is to shine in a dark world filled with demonic activity everywhere. The, the purpose of the church is to have compassion and to minister to the needs of the poor, the widows and the orphans. Uh, we, we do that with all the ministries in Africa and all around that we do taking care of orphans and people who need us. The purpose of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Some, some people don't know why you go to church. Some people don't know the purpose of the church. The church has purpose. The church is no accident. God established a church. The church is valuable. You think the church is not valuable, just let God take away the church. Wait till the rapture come and you, re- you think you see hell now? Wait till the church is raptured because then you will see some. You say, but the church is weak. Well, a weak church is still making some difference in the times in which we live. Now, surely we need to strengthen ourselves through the Holy Spirit. And surely the church is weak. But you think the church is not fulfilling a purpose. Let the church be gone and you will see demonic activity, the likes of which you have not seen. And Satan hates the church because he knows the purpose of the church, the mission of the church. So the the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping. Equipping. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. I can't do all the work for you. You, you don't pay me to do your work. I am not your errand boy. God has me here as an equipper to tell you how to do the work, to teach you how to disciple, and to help you get out and do it. That is my job. That is my job as pastor. Right now, I'm equipping you for equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying. You know what edifying means? It means to build up. I'm here to build you up. Some of you come in weak and fragile and, uh, and, and scared and fretful. And my goal as a pastor is to build you up, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ. Now, what are some of you know, Satan hates the church because he knows the potential of the church and how destructive the church can be against his demonic program. So let me just give you some, let me let you in on some of the strategies that Satan uses against the church, because the church is a gift from God. She is the bride of Christ. And let me give you some of Satan's strategies so you can be aware of what he's trying to do to keep us back so that we can't fulfill our God-given potential to the glory of God. What are Satan's strategies against the Lord's church? Hey, Satan tempts us not to attend church. He will do everything he can. Listen, Sunday morning, don't let one drop of rain fall. All of a sudden, it's just like you've taken some Benadryl or something. He'll do everything he can. That bed feels so much better on Sunday morning. Now, Saturday, you get up and kill yourself. But Sunday morning, I can't get up. I've fallen asleep and I can't get up. Satan tempts us not to come to church. He hates you to get here because he knows you're going to learn. He knows you're going to grow. He knows you're going to be wiser. He knows you're going to, he's going to, you're going to be built up. He knows you're going to be strengthened. I mean, he's going to keep, all hell will break out to keep you from going to church. You little children, kids will mess up all over you right when you get ready to walk out the door. They'll throw up on you. You got to go back, change clothes. 
Clean yourself up. I'm going to church. I don't care if I get but half of the service. I'm getting myself there. Don't, don't, don't tell me the railroad tracks, that train stopped you. Leave in time. Let the train pass by and you still here 10 minutes early. Satan tempts us not to attend church. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us consider one another to, in order to stir up love and good works. Underline this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. A lot of people tell me they're Christians, but I don't have to go to church. Uh, that is antithetical to what the Bible is saying. <laughs> I can listen to it on the, uh, on the radio. Uh, I can listen on the internet. Or I can just uh, have my little group study at home, and that's so. I can go to BSF, and that's my that's my church. BFF Bible Study Fellowship is good. It does some great things, but it's not a substitute for the church. And a lot of folk are full of the word from BSF, and you can't get them to do a dime worth of work in the church. You, you learn what? What are you learning all that Bible for? Just to sit, soak, and sound? Oh, everybody in BSF say, Pastor, give, give me three ministries. Oh, Pastor, I got my win. I'm not going to get what you got. I'm getting, getting it from BSF. Oh, I'm ready now. Oh, Pastor, loose me and let me go. Anybody in BSF and not serving, you are a disservice to BSF. Why don't y'all say amen? It is no substitute for the church. It reinforces the church. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the man of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approach, approaching, you cannot say you love Jesus and not love his church. You, you say, I love Jesus. Well, if you love Jesus, that means you love his church. If you say, how many of you love the church? Let me see your hand. How many of you love the church? No, if you love the church, okay, well, how good is your attendance? Is it bi-weekly? Bi-monthly? Is it Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter? Do you love it enough to go to Sunday school, prayer meeting, Bible study? Huh? Are you? Is it, is it, is it so hard? Oh, I guess I go. Yeah, I, I went two Sundays ago. I mean, uh, oh, well, I get there. As long as I get there, time here, rev and preach. Wait a minute. And then you put people on a clock, and, and th- those games out there go overtime, triple overtime. A hundred, a hundred thousand folk in one stadium and folks stay there in the heat and in the cold and in the rain. And you got a car from your garage to drive to the church and it's an issue. Psalms 122 once says, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you're not glad to come here, you don't love the church. That's right. You, if you stress out because you got to come to always oh, Sunday. You don't love the church. Your love for the church will be evidence in your faithful attendance and sacrificial service. Psalms 100 verse 2a says, serve the Lord with gladness. And then when you come, you serve him with gladness. You don't look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. You you are smile on your face. You, you don't have an agenda. You, you come here to worship God. You, you worship God. You, your love for the church is also evidenced by the giving of your tithes and offerings to the church. When you love the church, you tithe to the church. Second uh, Samuel 24, 24b says, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. Dare you not give God that 
anything that costs you nothing. Whatever you give God must be done uh, sacrificially. When you genuinely love the Lord's church, you will not come with an entitlement mentality, which has no place in the Lord's church. I just here for what the church can do for me. You come with your little goody two lists. Oh, well, they got a decent nursery. Uh, the pastor can sing a little bit and um, they got ample parking and they got the seats have cushion. They got a nice back on it. Everything is about you. A la carte in the church. And, you know, you size it up and you just as dry. Just as dry. You are an old dried up spiritual prune. Because you put the church in your little categories and then that determines. Oh, it's all about me. They feed me food. Give me what I want. Take care of my kids. Nice youth ministry, this, that, that. Well, I can come because of what the church can do for me. My friend, it's not what the church can do for you. What can you do for the church? You're not to be spiritual moochers. B, Satan, how else does he strategize against the church? Satan attempts to defeat the lost church by creating discord among the brethren. Oh, he can make some mess to keep you uh, disturbed in the church or run you away from the church. And some folk are disconnected the church from the church right now because of mess. Mess. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't you fool yourself. Every church got some mess in it. If it's some people there, it's some mess there. It's some garbage there. The word can be there, but I tell you what, God, Satan will show you some good garbage. Oh, God, Satan, show me some mess. He'll show you some mess and you get full of it and you leave with everything but God. Stop sitting with messy folk too. Just because they're saved don't mean they're right. They can be saved and just as messy, undertone, like the speaking in tongues under their voice. <laughs> messy, get your purse, move over there. <laughs> If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching and would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit MaranathaSA.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas 78109. And if you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the Radio Broadcast Support Fund. Thank you very much for your generosity. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.